Blog Talk Radio. Hey, my brothers and sisters, fellow entrepreneurs around the globe, it is 0600 hours Eastern or Romeo for you nautical types, 1000 Greenwich or Zulu. This is Rudder Radio, your guide to thrive in any economy, and I'm William Eastman, managing partner, easy for me to say, of Applied Knowledge Labs here in North America. We have offices in Calgary, Alberta, Las Vegas, Nevada, Kansas City, Missouri, in our recently opened Atlantic regional office in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, we are a business research company, and we are changing the formula of business success for companies from zero to $50 million in revenue. And I am your host for the next 30 minutes. Today's show is part of, part of our cleanup. It's going to be called uh, The Missing Link of Business Strategy. And today, specifically, is what is the value proposition of your company? What value do you ultimately provide to the people who pay you money? Or if you're looking for investors of any type, what value do you want them to evaluate? And so that's kind of the theme. Now, today's show, how do you get involved? One is you can hit chat now, which would be at blogtalkradio.com slash the rudder, T-H-E hyphen R-U-T-T-E-R. You can dial in directly and uh, get on the show if you like at 347-215-7471. There's always the Twitter option, and you can um, not tweet me because that sounds rather stupid. You can twit me, I like that one better, at uh, W. Eastman, and that is my Twitter address, or of course, any corresponding documentation you can find on our blog, which is also... um, the hot link is on our web show page, or you can Google the Rudder blog, and we will show up uh, listed number three or four on the list. So anyway, that's where we are. Now today, what are we doing? Well, over the last two weeks, we've done a series of six shows that talked about the elements uh, or the characteristics of those companies who became market dominators and specifically when we take a look at their strategy. Because as we talk about companies that make the ones that are at least one in a thousand, a higher set of odds, uh, what do they do? What, what are the things that they have done that is different than everybody else? Sometimes, sometimes the, the thing they've done something else uh, better than anybody else is a particular thing, and sometimes it's things that they don't do. But when we look at it, um, at strategy, we found that there were six elements. Now, the challenge you have in any show, radio show, especially when you don't have visual age and you have 30 minutes, is that it's just how what level of detail. So I'm going to go to the first element we talked about, that all these companies, the first element of their strategy, all had the position of the firm and that they were going to do business in a new way. Now, that new way was relative to their market. That new way could be that they were better, they were faster, they were least expensive, they had higher quality, uh, they were, you know, avant-garde. They were ahead of the, they were ahead of the curve. Um, 
but what they were what they were is they were different uh, than everybody else and so what I want to do is say what is what are the things that will uh, what did they do how did they assess how did they make that decision well part of that element one that we did uh, is that as you recall, and I, I don't recall what day it is, I, uh, well, I can go back, and I think it's Tuesday of last week's show, but it's element one, so you just got to look at Blog Talk Radio uh, on the archive list. And we said, the way that you get at this is you plot kind of a new value curve. You compare your company against your competitors in terms of the five or six or seven success factors that you, uh, that you, that you compete on. And by plotting the competitors, it gives you a sense for where they stand. Um, and you, can, you should be able to determine why are the top companies better than everybody else and what challenges are you having. And what, the, and what the literature would suggest and what my experience would suggest is this, is that you want to plot a curve that's different than everybody else. So in other words, if everybody was high on one factor, then what would happen if you were low on that factor and on the other hand, where they were low in one factor, what would happen if you were high? In other words, you would plot yourself on those attributes or characteristics in a different way. All right, you've done that. Well, before you make a decision to say, aha, that's who we are and how we're going to compete, you've got to say to yourself, well, what does that mean? I mean, because the implications for the business is huge, absolutely huge when you look at the company to say, all right, well, how are we going to run the company differently? differently. So that's where I want to go to here, is that what does it mean? And so what a value discipline is, is making a decision about the essence of your offer. How are you really going to compete? Because if we take this plot forward and say, what's the significance for the company? You only have three options. And I'll give you the technical term, and then I'll give it to you in English. The three options are operational efficiency or price, customer intimacy, or experience, and the last one is product leadership, or features and quality. And so what we mean here is that you either go to the market and what you do is you become the price leader because you are operationally more efficient than everybody else, and therefore you can come in with a price point that is below everybody else. And notice I didn't say um, marginless than anybody else because if you're the lowest cost producer, which is a theme that you'll hear me harp on time and time again, then you have the great advantage of either charging what everybody else charges and having a higher margin, or if you're in a market where price would make a difference, you can come in and undercharge, undercut your competitors uh, on your pricing, but still be able to turn the same type of margin. Well, if you make a decision, then you have to run what is called an operationally efficient company, and that has a whole host of ramifications which we're going to cover. Uh, a second choice that you have is customer intimate, which means it's a totality of the customer's experience, whether it's how you market to them, how do you sell to them, um, how do you uh, produce the product, if there's any production, how do you deliver it, um, how does the customer consume it, what support do you provide in the process of them using whatever it is that you, uh, you sold them. And so in that particular area, that is a totally different type of experience because you run a very different company if that's how you intend to compete in the marketplace. And then the last one is product leadership. And that is, is there something distinctive about the product that you offer uh, that makes it worth what the customer is going to pay because obviously product leaders typically charge a little bit more. 
So quick examples. An operationally efficient company is Walmart. And how Walmart has, has done that is that Walmart is the foremost company in the world in its management of inventory. And if you look at its process of buying, storing, transporting uh, goods, they do it better than anybody else. They, they, they have tracking systems that are on par with Federal Express and UPS, and in some cases, better. And so they buy cheaper than everybody else. They store it better. They move it better. They have an incredible pull system that the second it comes off the shelf, their just-in-time inventory is just that uh, it slays the competition. And that's how Walmart competes. Uh, customer exper uh, experience or, um, or customer intimate or experience, uh, the Marriott Hotel chain for a good many years made a reputation there in that fashion. Uh, Four Seasons does. Um, you can, take, you can take a look at Ritz-Carlton. But Marriott's a good one because Marriott also has to compete on price. And so what most people who are serious travelers have committed to Marriott over the years is that they know for what they pay, they get a superior customer service experience. It means Marriott's got to run a different type of hotel than their competitors. And then on product leadership, one, one that uh, most people think of is think of Mercedes when it comes to producing automobiles. Uh, not to put down some of the Japanese, but Mercedes has always kind of owned that cachet um, you know, we always kind of look at the German engineering as being precise and robust, and Mercedes being a good example of that. So those are three. Now, what does this mean? Well, some interesting insights when we look at these companies that were incredibly successful, and what made them different. Number one is to compete, you've got to be competent in three. Now, what I'm saying here is you must be competent in three. On the other hand, is that you cannot excel at all three because all three require totally different companies in terms of how they operate. And so taking that a step further is that to become a market leader, a market dominant, what you find is an organization outperforms their competitors in one discipline. They make a decision. They make a stand. They say, I'm going to plant my flag here, and this is who we're going to be. And then they have a secondary one that where at the minimum they match the competition. So when you do this value plot of the company and say, gee, how do we want to compete, what does that suggest to you? Now, in our case, let me take our company, Applied Knowledge Labs, or the labs. Um, our primary market discipline uh, or value discipline is operational efficiency of price uh, because of the fact that we are taking consulting knowledge that was developed over the years. Uh, we got from research, et cetera, many sources. But we're going we're gonna to provide the small businesses what we used to provide the large companies. Well, in the large consulting companies, the business model is product leadership and customer intimate um, because of the nature of the business. And so what that allows you to do, you, you don't, you're not really concerned with price. So you operate in a cost-plus environment. And so customers don't balk at paying $3,500, $4,000, $5,000 a day if, in fact, they view that uh, the value that you're providing is worth that. But they don't balk at the price. They evaluate what they receive for that. Well, if you go and you say your target market is companies between zero, startups, um, haven't made their first time, to companies who are around $50 million, the first thing we can say is that we're an incredibly price-sensitive market and that what happens is that you've got to work backwards. In other words, you can only charge X for what you do, 
And then you've got to work backwards to say, oh, if that's the case, how do we produce it at margin? And so our business model is not those two, but our primary is operational efficiency. We run a pretty tight operation. We run it very lean. Um, and I could get into great detail about that, but it's not material this conversation. But our decision to compete, when we did our value plot and we looked at the competition and we looked at who we were competing at, especially for the zero to $50 million small business customer, was that we had to be operationally efficient to the max. Our secondary or supportive one is ProcWally. In other words, what we do is we bring uh, state-of-the-art, cutting-edge, proven concepts to small businesses say, if you have this problem, do the following thing. And we know it works because it's worked time after time after time. And what we do is that we would hold our products up against anything you could buy from McKenzie or Accenture. And so that's what I mean as an example. But every business out there, I can't tell you what your value proposition should be. That is a decision that you need to make as the business owner. But what I can do, and that's what I'm going to do now, is I'm going to help you through this. And by the way, uh, we will have copious notes up today on uh, on our uh, chief on our blog, the Rudder. That's the the place that we'll have the show notes, and we might have a link to a couple of the blog sites. But I'll have this information up. All right, let's let's go quickly through these uh, three to say, well, what are the characteristics? If you look at a company that's operationally excellent, that that is their core value discipline. They're comp- they have competitive prices. The, their offer is error-free, is reliable. It is fast. It has its on-demand abilities. It is a simple offer, simple in terms of not very complex, easy to, easy to buy, easy to purchase, easy to consume, easy to get support. They're very responsive. They are consistent. Uh, the sales process is uh, typically transactional because you're buying this particular thing. And your relationship with them many times is once and done. In other words, you don't need a continuing relationship except when you need to buy it again, you can go back to it. Uh, Again, think about a a Walmart is just an example of that. Customer intimate company. Um, What happens here? Well, it's a company that's management by facts. And the facts are, what's the customer response to the experience they're having? Uh, By definition, they have to be easy to do business with. Uh, the, their way of doing business is instead of, you know, we have, you can have it any way you want, um, only, except it's only in black, kind of the old Henry Ford Model T view, is you can have it your way, is that they're very much into mass customization. The ability to say, if, well, if you want it this way, we can produce it or deliver it that way. Um, they view the market second, segment as one person, so they look at a customer at a time as opposed to an opera, uh, opera, operationally excellent company or efficient company who takes a look at this and they look at broad markets. Um, They don't look at single customers. Uh, They're proactive. uh, They're flexible. Um, Their sales process is is both relationship and consultative. And uh, instead of once and done, they do a lot of cross-selling or upselling. Product leadership. What does this look like? Um, it's, it's new, it's state-of-the-art products and services. And by the way, when I say product, in, the, in this, um, probably in terms of this, uh, the, uh, the st- uh, state-of-the-art, uh, or I should say when I say product, what I really mean is uh, I also mean services. They are risk-takers. Uh, they are able to meet volatile customer needs. They're very fast concept to counter, and that's a key one from idea to out the door. Somebody's buying it very fast. 
they're never satisfied. And, and one of the things that they do is they constantly obsolete their own stuff and their competitor products. Uh, a great example of this is Hewlett-Packard, is that the second Hewlett-Packard turns out a printer, they're already working on one to replace it, and they obsolete their stuff before anybody else. And then they, they, they very much see themselves as kind of a learning organization in that a lot of businesses suffer from not invented here. In other words, we didn't think of it, therefore it can't have any credibility. And so those are the principal characteristics of those three uh, value disciplines. And what I want you to do is kind of contemplate them because the decision of this is our primary and this is our backup will drive the business model, which is tomorrow's show, and will drive how you structure and how you organize the firm. And it's far more critical uh, than most people think. It also drives, to some degree, what branding decisions you make. So, hey, let me make a stop here for a second. And let me just talk about us as a company real quickly because, um, and I had this comment uh, in the chat room, let's see, on uh, Tuesday, which was pretty funny, when somebody said, ah, he's selling. You're damn right. I mean, I'd, I, I go to all these social networking sites trying to figure out which ones really work, and you get this thing of, well, you're not supposed to sell here. And I'm thinking, then obviously you're not in business uh, because if you can't sell, I don't want to be there. And so why would I get up at uh, 3.30 in the morning to do show prep for a 6 o'clock show for free? Is that I would like you to take a look at our company. And so our job pre predominantly is to, is to help the business owner, the entrepreneur, uh, and, or their group of executives at the top run the company better. And what I consistently encounter, because I'm one, is that um, I, get, I just simply get tired of being tired. I'm tired of being stressed. I'm being stressed out about the economy. I mean, if you're in small business, this is an ugly, ugly, ugly market to be into, and it'd get better. And if you think any of the Obama bucks that are flooding through the economy are going to make it to small businesses, think again. And the, what has happened to this country is we've turned into crony capitalism. Um, fascism would be a better word, but we'll call it crony capitalism. So if you're not, if you're somehow not connected, uh, I doubt seriously you're going to see any money. And I don't say that as a political statement. I say that as somebody who deals with clients or who are on the other side of SBA funding or state agencies who are trying to figure out where the, these dollars are coming from, when they don't show up. And so the deal with this is that um, you are alone out there. You're alone in this economy. And if you're trying to transfer your dream into a reality like we are in this economy, you are dead ass alone. Well, that's what we do, and that's who we are, and that's, that's who Applied Knowledge Labs are. At the labs, our job is simply to get, try to give you the tools, the products, because that's the business that we are in, that will help you grow your uh, company regardless of the economy. And so if you need, to, need some support or help here, and especially if you want to try to figure out how to aggressively not just survive, but grow your business in this type of economy, which is an economic contraction or a recession, just drop me a line, call me, chat, chat room, uh, eastman at aklabs.com, and uh, I'll send you a paper on what, what are basically the best practices of, of uh, fast-growth companies in bad economies. Or you can reach me on our Skype, uh, Skype hotline, which is 804-471-1660. That's 804-471-1660. All right, so let's talk about this decision of value discipline. And this piece, I'm going to be covering a lot of material, so I definitely will have this table on the blog site. So if you look at operational excellence, okay, what's your functional emphasis? In other words, what part of the company is most important? 
It's production, it's logistics, and it's finance. If you're trying to run this tight company that's the lowest cost producer, then the, the three functions that probably should be in-house and not outsourced and that you need to closely manage is the production process, the logistics process, and the financial processes. Okay, What's the process emphasis? And the emphasis is on fulfilling orders and the use of resources. Uh, what's your information uh, in terms of information collected? And that is transactions, cost, and time. And what are the key metrics? Cost, quality, and speed. What are the concerns that you have in the company? And that is, what are the trends? Um, okay, what are the trends that are going on out there that are telling us what's going to happen in the past so that we can use those to predict the future? All right, so, and I have, ooh, how many more do I have there, which I'm not going to cover because I think it's more than you can take, uh, you can uh, process in your head. I have four more. And so one, two, three, four, five, there are nine different emphasis areas you can take a look at that are driven by the value discipline decision. So let me cover those five. Now let me go to customer intimate, or the, the, you compete by providing a superior experience along the way. Um, what's the functional emphasis? What is the most important part of the company? It's marketing, it's sales, and it's service. So right there you see that if the difference is that in operational excellence, it's production, logistics, and finance, in customer intimate is that your major focus is in marketing, sales, and in service. And what processes do you really, really manage closely? And that is marketing and customer satisfaction. What information do you, that you look to pay attention to? And that is the customer in terms of what's happening to them and their markets, if you're selling to consumers, what is the economy doing, for example, to their lifestyle? If they're B2B, they're selling to other companies, then what is the economy doing to the competitive advantage? The key metrics is satisfaction, customer success at using what you offer, and testimonials. And your key concern is around relationships. You're more focused on today as opposed to in the past, and you're concerned with relationships because ultimately, how the employees feel about working for you is going to totally drive what they do. That there is a, there's a rule of thumb in the customer service business that is, to my mind, always true, and that is the front line never lies. And if you're in a corporation where there, there's, a, there's a lot of camaraderie and they like working there, and, they, and, the, and the reason for that is that the front line people in customer service or in sales or in marketing are well supported by the company, then they're going to pass on that good feeling and that good news to the customer. I can tell you, on the other hand, is that if you're in a, a company that is like a snake pit and the front line is absolutely all alone out there, because think about it, in most customer service scenarios, the front line didn't do it. They're not guilty. Whatever the problem was was not something of their doing, and they're powerless to fix it, but you expect them to take the phone call. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll guarantee you in that circumstance they won't lie because they'll say, well, if you think that's bad, then you ought to work here, and then they'll start telling the customer stories because under periods of high conflict, the frontline employee is going to team up with either the company and support the company, or it's going to team up with the customer against the company. And in bad organizations that have bad employee engagement environments, they side with the customers. Bad news for you. All right, let's take product leadership. So what's, what's the... What part of the company, what's the functional part of the company you look at? Well, you look at R&D. 
you look at legal, and this has to do with licenses and patents, and you look at engineering. So again, if we contrast the three, a, co a company that focuses on product leadership, it's research and development, legal, in engineering versus customer intimate, which is marketing, sales, and service, versus operational excellence, which is production, logistics, and finance. And so let me stop on this point is that this is critical. In a small startup company, you do not have the resources, whether the resources be money, time, bodies, to do everything well. You need to be you need to have the focus of a laser to say, okay, given what is going on, this is exactly what we need to do, and by focusing on your core value discipline, you can put your energy in the right spot. Uh, the, the process emphasis in a product leadership firm is in product development and the speed of concept to customer, how quickly you get it out. What information do you, do you look to collect inside the company? Uh, and it's around linkages. It's around um, how different parts of the organization are working together. It's around how, how the organization communicates. It's what, it's what software packages, what group where methodologies are you using. Where are your key metrics? Um, there are two, ideas through the funnel. In other words, how many good ideas come in as opposed to ones we apply. Kind of almost like managing a sales fa uh, funnel. And then how many patents are we filing to protect ourselves? And what are your key concerns in product leadership is that you have very much a tomorrow focus because, you, because of the lead time required in the development, especially on the product side, uh, you need to be able to say, okay, the market is going to be here. It's kind of the Gretzky analogy we used last week is that what made Wayne Gretzky great is he didn't go to where the puck was. He went to where the puck was going to be. And so he had a great sense of reading the defense to say the opening they're going to provide is going to be this, and therefore the shot is over there, and if I get over there, somebody's going to pass it to me, and that's basically what happened. And so the focus here in product leadership is competing in advance. So as I said before, on our blog site, what we're going to do is we're going to drill down in a lot more detail on this by putting this table up for you so you can take a look at it, but I don't want to diminish or underscore this too much. A lot of small business owners um, we encounter go, oh, that's that's all big business stuff, and we want to be big. Uh, we don't want to be like big business. And I look at them and go, get a friggin' grip there, dude. Um, what you don't want to be is you don't want to be like the big businesses you don't like. But if you're telling me that you don't want to be a big business in terms of you don't want to grow and, and dominate a market and produce a lot of revenue so that there is some wealth left over for you and your family, you're nuts. Uh, nobody wants to stay a small company. And the challenge you've got is to under some threshold, and I don't know because it's, it's industry specific, uh, specific, but under some threshold like 2 or $3 million, you can't survive long term anyway. And so the thing is, is that how do I learn from the large corporations take those lessons and apply them in ways that make sense for my small business. And I'll tell you right now is that every one of the companies that we studied back when we started this research in 2002 and said, who went from zero to IPO? Uh, who went from zero to a billion? Because they are, they are uniquely different than everybody else. What were they doing that made them distinctive? In this whole series, uh, what we've been talking about is their strategy around the corporation, their long-term play in the market, their end game as a corporation, 
was distinctly different than everybody else. And those are the six elements we covered, and, and today we hit that missing link. So here's the bottom line. To compete, an organization must be competitive in all three disciplines. You can't do one half-assed. However, you cannot do them all well because if that's the case, you will tank because you'll only do them average because it's conflicting business. And so therefore, to become a market leader, it's pretty, it's pretty clear. Based upon looking at the market and what you plot it value-wise, is it, do I compete on price and therefore I have a very efficient operation and I am a leader in being the lowest cost producer? Option one. Option two is that or do I provide the customer an exceptional experience and that starts at the very beginning with how we market, how we sell, then after they purchase it, what support we give them around the product and if there's any issues, how we follow up on that. That is a totally different type of company. Or the third option is that we offer the latest cutting edge, bleeding edge, and our products and services match any one of the competitors. In fact, they're better than all the other competitors. And so those are the three options. Now, hold in mind that tomorrow's show, what we're going to do is the, the second missing link has to do with if you make decision on the value proposition and which is your primary and which is your secondary, then that allows you to say, okay, what are the business models we're going to use to compete? And with that, we will conclude the missing links to element one. So, hey, appreciate you being on. It's early in the morning. If you download this MP3, just make sure you go to our blog site, um, which is uh, Blog Talk Radio, um, excuse me, is uh, Chief uh, Growth Officer on uh, Blogspot. So you take care. Have a great business day. Thanks for showing up.